Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Go Mo Tonight. Here in the Space Lounge, we are here to present you with the Monadnock Region's only weekly, locally-focused comedy podcast. I'm Christy Loretto, your host, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, Zoe Roten-Heinzman and Sam Abbott. And today, as we return from a week off, we are here to cover... Chris Rock getting slapped at the Oscars. No, just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that at all. Um, even though I liked it, and I just, I think that I think we can expect more slapping in the in the years to come. People are very tense. People are um, tense. People are very tense. But um, so, you know, speaking of danger and tenseness, earlier this weekend, I traveled to Keene, which you guys know I'm usually. <laughs> Very hesitant to do. I try. I try not to go into the town if I into the, the city if I can help it. Um, especially now that they're having this like little you know keen renaissance at largely at the expense of Peterborough. Like I just I'm not going to embrace this. I'm never going inside Nova. Like don't. There was there was a minute there where I considered maybe going there someday, but I'm never I'm never going in. I'm never going in there. Um, but. I was going to the Colonial Theater um, for its first show since they did some renovations in there. And we were going to see the Whale and Jennies, um, Hot Mom Folk, for those of you who aren't familiar. Um, very good act. And it was, it was delightful. But we went to a new restaurant called The Laughing Gull. Um, which is seafood, but I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to comment too much on it. They made me a lovely drink, but um, they're open, but I'm pretty sure their goal is to be like fried seafood, which is really what I want um, because nobody has that really around here at all. And they um, hashtag supply chain issues, COVID-19, they don't have their fry later and it's not, it's like backordered and it's coming eventually, but it's not there. So that's, that's too bad. So um, very little threat on the keen Renaissance front from the flying goal so far, but soon I think that they will mount a much more credible challenge. Um, the colonial theater did much touted re- renovations um, that is, is actually indirectly related in a way to Nova arts because they pushed out brew bakers, um, which was in, in um, part of their, their building and Brewbakers went out and formed Nova Arts, um, you know, which went on to like steal certain things from Peterborough, things that we don't really want anyway. But anyways, it's still you can't steal. You shouldn't. You, you can't steal anything from us, <laughs> even if we don't want it. <laughs> right. Um, that's my that's my position across the board in life. Um but so they took over that part of the building. And so what used to be brew bakers is now like a will call area. I have mixed feelings about the, I was expecting to be a little, no offense, no offense. People get so mad when I don't praise their efforts because everybody really needs praise these days. But I was a little less than impressed with the renovations. I guess that most of the like super spectacular stuff is um, behind the scenes. And they also did build like a side venue. There's also like a, a small theater that they use for smaller shows. Like our friends echoes of Floyd. Um, they're going to play in there. It's called the showroom. It's like a 400 person um, little spot. Kind of neat. I haven't seen it. I'm sure that's cool. But like the main theater of the thing was, is, is untouched. Um, it's not, they didn't do anything to it. Um, so like seats are the same. The, um, the floors, the floors are bare. Like there's no, like where, like where you're, like your theater seat is like mounted into concrete, and your feet are standing on concrete, which is odd in a historic theater. It might not be odd in another venue, but it is. It is weird to me in a, in, in a you know a touted historic venue. Usually they did, have flooring. Did they remove the flooring? No, no. It was like this oh, before. Uh, it's always been like. So it this. wasn't like a backwards renovation. No, it wasn't. No, which is good. Okay. I did have to think about it for a second, though. I was kind of like. Was it always like this? But no, I've been in there a million times. It was always like that. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> so it opened with the executive director, you know, came out. He had a lot of acknowledgments to do. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you. You know, all the people that made this happen, donors and architects and planners and all that stuff. 
but naturally the big, no, actually, I don't know why I said naturally, but for some reason, I should say, um, the opening, the first thing that he opened with was to very somberly acknowledge that the theater is on Abenaki land. And then he like rump, he like, I, 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 people were cheering too loud for this. So I couldn't hear what he said next, but he said something about being stewards of the, of the land and whatever. And as Zoe pointed out before we went on the air, <laughs> which I didn't make this connection at the time, but it's, it's, it's the colonial theater. Like the dude, sh- what he should have done was come out on stage and been like, so welcome to the colonial theater, which got its name because we're sitting on Abenaki land. <laughs> like that's, you know, all true, all accurate. Like, not, you know, uh, I did, I did find that interesting. And, you know, for those of you who think that I'm being, you know, unkind or conservative or whatever, let me just, I just want to defend myself by saying that I have been in enough radical circles that I guarantee you that I heard native land acknowledgements like a solid five years before the rest of you. And that when like a 60 year old white guy with a really nice haircut and a really nice suit who like heads up a philanthropic endeavor in, in a well-to-do town in New Hampshire is saying it, it is, it, it cannot have any, radical potential for any of you out there who think that this is some sort of victory or that we're making progress or something that that it's not how this works. But um, in any case, we have taken the land from the natives and built the theater atop of it. And here we will let the whale and Jenny sing. And that's, that is what happened. Uh, Jenny one, Jenny two and Jenny three came out with their, their two cohorts who are males present as males um, who I was calling the Ben's uh, Ben one and Ben two. Um, and they delivered a wonderful performance on the stolen land. Um, it was great, but all this to say though, the keen Renaissance from my, I mean, and then I'm going to try a couple, I have a couple other angles. I have to work to sort of scope this out and like see for myself on the ground, hopefully incognito. I mean, there's literally cops in keen who, like if they pull me over and they see my name, let, I don't want to talk about it. So I got to go like incognito. Um, like I should like, I should like rent a car when I go to Keene. That would be really funny. Like every time I go into Keene, I, I don't even drive my own vehicle, but I'm going incognito to check out a couple other things. Um, so final verdict isn't in, but I just, for those of you, and this includes myself, who might be a little worried about this keen Renaissance and how strong it seems to be coming on. And again, at our expense, largely it's, it's not a done deal. It's not, a, they, they got a little ways to go before the final victory here and we can still mount to come back. I am once again, and this has happened several times already. I'm hearing rumors of Harlow's getting music back. Um, Mm. And I know that Harlow's Dave, if if he makes the connection to who I am, doesn't like me because I've said some disparaging things about it being depressing in there. It is depressing in there. Um, but if you turn it around, Dave, I will happily reverse my position and you know support the place again because we we would we really want there to be um, music in there, and that will help us along with. You know, our friend Roy over at Max T, who who understands this dynamic very well himself. Um, this will help us mount the counteroffensive. Let's let's actually do this together. We're not we're not all united. You know what I mean? There's factions, yeah. there's lines. Accept it. It's post-pandemic, 2022, no love. You know, like 2020 was no rules, <laughs> 2021 was no laws, 2022 is like no unity. Like, fuck it. We're going at each other. Slap in the face at the Oscars. That's where we're at. (laughs) Embrace it. Go for it. The other Renaissance town that we've got to look out for is Greenville. They're coming. They're coming next. Yes. And I, and I actually support this for other ways, but let's, what's going on. What's up with Greenville? Greenville. I always call the strangest town in New Hampshire. 
It, it is super strange. All I really know about them is that one time we went there to buy like a tractor part from some random dude. Thing one that I know about Greenville and thing two <laughs> that I know about Greenville is that they have the, the midnight 4th of July parade that I am definitely going to go to someday because it sounds kind of amazing. I, I mean, who does that? I really want to. I really want to. I yeah. always miss it, but... A midnight no, fourth of July is going to have to be there with like. We should go live. Yeah, we should. Yeah, and don't they bang pots and pans at it? Isn't it? Yes, like it's like the midnight like- pot and pan banging parade. Yes. Yeah. For the fourth of do. July, this needs to be covered. This needs to be. And and in our defense, Goldman Adnock was not operational at, on the fourth of July last year. Neither like Kim wasn't right. up. We weren't up. Like it's nobody's fault that we didn't cover this. Um, but we'll be there. We're going to be there. We have to. We have to we be, have there. To be there. and we and we be may there. be able to park there. That's what's happening in Greenville. They've got some new parking lots that they're working on because um, they want people to drive to Greenville, park, and shop and eat at the at the future uh, businesses that they hope will crop up around the parking lots. Nice, nice. Well, one thing I'll say: I drive through Greenville all the time, constantly. It's on the way to my parents' house. Um, and what, like, if, if you, it, and if anybody doubts my statement that it is the strangest town in New Hampshire, like, just, just drive through it. Like, on the way from, on the way from, like, the country mile to, like, Temple. Like, go through it in that way at, like, 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m., any night of the week in the summertime. And you'll... There's just, I can't tell you what you will see because there is no telling what you will see. You, like, you, you, anything, like all kinds of shit. Like Peterborough at nine something at night in the summertime, it, it's like a ghost town, right? Sure. Especially with, with no like real Harlow's activity like there used to be. And, you know, if you like anybody walking down the street is kind of an odd sight in some cases, you know? But like Greenville, there's going to be people out and you don't know what kind, and you don't know what they're doing. You definitely don't know what they're doing. Um, it's very interesting. A lot of nice brick downtown. It's one of the youngest towns, I believe, in New Hampshire as well. It's split off from like Mason or something only 150 years ago. Um, huh. And they're building. That's the other point I want to make, though. Like there, there's a there's a spot that I drive by as you're heading out to Route um, 31. Um, where there was already a rather large apartment development and they got a bunch of houses going in over there. And, um, and I'll tell you where else they're building is Ringe. I'm like, I was, when I was in Ringe picking up the pizzas for the Casta Cuticus Memorial March Madness pizza tournament for the cure, which is winding down. Thank you all for your votes. Uh, we will, we will make announcements probably within the next week of you seeing this episode. Uh, I noticed some, some, you know, decent sized little apartment developments going up um, or condos, at least, you know, multi-unit developments going up, not just single family homes. And look, I I, I really support this both in Greenville and in Ridge. They're both strange places, you know, they're, they're, they're quirky in, in their own ways. When I, I haven't, I don't know if I've seen the latest since they republished everything, but when I, in the course of my campaign last year, when I was reading the town master plan, some of the facts that it was noting was that like of all of the towns in the region, like the only town that was actually growing in population and is not rapidly aging is Ringe. Um, and so, I mean, and, it, and Ringe is very big. Greenville isn't really, but Ringe geographically is huge. Uh, there's a lot of space there. There's a lot of room for growth in Ringe. It's on the Massachusetts border. There's a college there. Like, there's a lot of shit that could happen in that place. And I know that everybody wants to believe that every single town can have like all the different classes. You know what I mean? So that all the peasants can like intermingle with like Stan Fry or whatever. But like, it doesn't work that way. It's it hasn't really worked that way since like the 1800s. You know we don't have like a small town economy anymore. We have a global economy now. We don't even have like a state economy and a national economy. We have, it's, it's worldwide guys. We're, we're worldwide in this 2022 world. Right. Um, so understanding that though, I do believe that someday over time, 
it's not going to help anybody right now, but um, there is going to be development of affordable housing and it's going to be in places like Greenville and it's going to be in places like Ringe. And some of the people who move into those places are going to be people who are, they're going to be people who commute to other towns um, where they work. And in some cases that might be a town like Peterborough. Uh, I know it's unpalatable to acknowledge that you might have like more, money than some other people, which is my guess if you're listening to this, because you're probably from Peterborough. Um, but that is the way that it is. And this would actually be a positive development for everybody involved, I think. So I support their revitalization. I really do. That like the, the revitalization of Greenville and the pro- perhaps for the first time vitalization of Ringe is to our, it does not steal from Peterborough. It is, it is right. a net benefit. To to greater Peterborough, to the Monadnock region, um, it's I don't see it as competitive. I see it as um, uh, complementary in a lot of ways. I don't know if you guys have any feelings about either town, but I'm just I'm very curious about Greenville. What what happens there? They I'm, have I'm this, from like, a Greenville, so I have a so one of the one of the one of the weirdest things. Um, that that I encounter and I and I don't know this might be part of what they're trying to purchase but there is this weird little parking lot space I don't even know if it's a parking lot I don't understand what goes on there it doesn't appear it's right on the main drag it's like right by their police station but it doesn't necessarily appear to be attached to any particular dwelling but there's always a random assortment of cars there. And in theory, it's also a basketball court because there's a basketball hoop that's up in it, but they also put like these giant, like Jersey barrier type stones in the middle of it. So you can't really play basketball in the back. Like it's really, it's almost like they're like, ha ha ha, try and play basketball (laughs) on this court. I dare you, you know? And then there's sometimes cars in it. And it's like, it's very like just the existence of that, which you can see anytime day or night. Um, we'll throw you off. You're like, what's this doing here? Like, how did this, how did this come to be? You know, um, they, they have a little police headquarters. They share police with temple actually where Sam lives. So if Sam needs help from a cop, he's got to compete with the needs of, you know, Greenville. You know what I mean? Like whatever just, crime could be happening downtown in Greenville. I just drive um, to Peterborough. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. Let's be honest, you know. Yeah. But does Greenville currently have like restaurants or businesses? I really don't know. Yep. yep. There's um. So I, I think the article points out a place called Murray Peas. That's a restaurant. Um, okay. I think that another one might have just opened. There's a lot of places that come in and out. You know, there's a lot of like like um open retail spaces that like get filled and then they fail. Um, but there's, there's one store that's, um, I believe it's, um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's like, I want to say it's a convenience store that might sell some kind of pizza. We're not including them in the contest. Um, it's I was going to say if, if they get a pizza, if they get a pizza restaurant as part of the Greenville Renaissance, we'll have to try it at some point. Yes, at some point. In a future year. A a proper place. But yeah, so they have that. And um, they have the old Greenville train station has been multiple Chinese food restaurants. Um, Oh, okay. And, um, but it has now been purchased by someone who's making like a glue factory. Like I shit you not. Like it's like a glue, like it's like a glue factory or paint. I don't know. Some kind of, some kind of weird little factory they're putting in there instead of a a restaurant. Um, but there's also, there's a huge antique store. Um, it, 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 it's big. It's a big little route for like antique people because they can go down and like connect up to like, there's big antique stores, like right down the street in Townsend, you know? Okay. And then, then there's the, it's called like the antique co-op of New Hampshire is in Greenville right there. Big building, um, right on the way heading towards temple. So there's stuff it's, yeah. it's, it, there is, if you drive down it besides its eccentricity, you can see its potential. Like there's, there's very much potential here. Um, it's, it is cute, like bizarre as it is. Like, it's a, like I said, there's clearly like a post-industrial mill, you know, type structures, a lot of brick, um, but it isn't like fake brick, like Peter Burrows. It's real. Like it's, it's like from when they were really doing the, the mill stuff, you know? Um, so 
Well, I think there's potential there. I think I think stuff cool. could happen. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I I support that. Keep our eye on Greenville. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we're a little slow in getting to it, but our top story in the Monadnock region this week, though, is uh, is is developing. Developing story. In fact, we will by the time this episode comes out, we will actually know the full facts. But what we know so far about the <laughs> Because we're—I didn't mention this—we're recording this on Sunday night, the third of April, and tomorrow morning, Monday morning, on my way into the office, I'm going to stop by the town clerk's office and get a screenshot of all the candidates that have filed for our town meeting elections this year. Uh, but what we know—this is what we know so far—we know that Bill Taylor is running unopposed for select board. He will retain his seat um, unless somebody, some wacko mounts a. Um, write in campaign against him and wins, but there's not, not a chance. Don't even think about it. Don't even waste your stickers on that. Bill Taylor's got this. Uh, but we don't know about the other races for sure, but it seems likely that because as of like two days before the filing deadline, nobody had filed for the two open planning board seats. And there was one dude who I had encouraged to run and he got sick and didn't make it down there. So he didn't, he isn't one of them. Uh, so we don't know what happened there. Um, we don't know anything about rec committee. There were three spots open. Zoe filed. We know that much, um, to keep, she, she was an alternate. And for those of you who don't know, and has ascended to, um, finish out the year, uh, due to somebody who, um, I don't know, in jail. Oh, okay. I was going to say in jail, but all right, move. Um, <laughs> that's that's and, a better uh, story. We can go with that. It is a better story, yes. Um, but no, they uh, they moved, and so they're no, no longer eligible to serve on the committee. And so she's running to fulfill the rest of that two-year term. And then there's also two other full-term seats that are open. So we don't know. We don't know what happened there. Um, I know the current chair of the zoning board, Sharon Monahan, filed to run again, but we don't know if anybody filed to run against her. I suspect, though, that th- they would not beat her, um, if, whoever they are. Um, just I, I, I am an alternate on the zoning board, and um, Sharon is a very effective and experienced chair, and I think she has a, a, a fair number of allies in the town, and I just strongly suspect that um, it would have to be a very, some kind of real marquee challenger. Um, somebody very, I, I don't even want to speculate. Um, that, that, that could, they could, I don't, I don't want to go down that path, but, um, like a Barack Obama figure, you know, um, <laughs> would have to come along, I think, to challenge Sharon. Um, and, um, and then she would, she would become the Hillary to his Barack and, and that, you know, um, wouldn't go so well. But other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, and I know, and I don't know if this is contested either, but for budget committee, I know, and we'll say we'll save the names for when I post this tomorrow morning. Um, so the names will be out before this episode comes out. But uh, for those of you who are fans of the program, you will remember one of our favorite local Santa Clauses, um, who just wants to bring gifts to the children um, who fight in a club at the playground. Um, so that they have a good Christmas too. And he is going to be putting forward, offering his talents, his very giving spirit to the budget committee, where we can make sure that there's a present in every stocking next Christmas. If he wins, I assume that will be his um, campaign slogan. (laughs) If it is, I I would consider even voting for him. If he can laugh at himself like that. Yeah, honestly, I would think about it too. So, Andrew, if you're listening, just a thought. I mean, just a thought. Uh, it would be an effective campaign slogan. Guess we'll save his last name for the announcement. Yes, we will. Right now, I'm just going to talk directly to him and let everybody else figure it out. <laughs> so, so that's where we stand. Um, 
we, I mean, we'll find out, like, maybe what I say right now will be obviated by the time you listen to this, but, like, we were really hoping to host a couple of debates and stuff like that, but if there's no races, um, perhaps we'll ho- hold some kind of forum or something like that. So, so I'm going to sim- not a forum, a symposium, um, mm. a, you know, some, a salon. A salon. I was just about a to say salon. A candidate salon, like we're in Paris. We'll have Prosecco. Um, no, I mean, actually, no, they probably get really pissed if you have Prosecco in Paris. Um, but, um, <laughs> you'll have some kind of like throw my Italian ass beverage. out of the, of, of the Versailles or whatever. If we, um, if Versailles is a different place in Paris. I know I'm mixing up all kinds of Europe here, but you know what I mean? That's what it'll have, it'll be- This is America. We mix it all together here. <laughs> Prosecco in the Versailles palace in Paris. Um, <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing at the library. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we were hoping to have some really, um, some really hot competitive discussions, but I'm not sure anybody's competing this year, which is really funny because last year we had such a vibrant time. Um, a lot of good races, a lot of fun times. I participated in it. Won't do it again. Um, but, um, it was cool. And, um, I, it's interesting that we have interesting, but not necessarily shocking that we, um, have followed it up with a potentially more laid back here. Hmm. Well, can't wait. Can't wait to find out. My race last year was, a, was a three way nail biter that I wasn't really expecting to. Yeah. Didn't you lose to somebody it. without a face? I did. I lost to somebody without a face. I know her face now. She does. She does exist, but I did wonder for quite some time if she was even a real person. Yeah. She declined to participate in any public um, things like, like, didn't she like, she didn't submit anything to the paper. She didn't come to the no. candidates forum, like no. nothing. Like she, there were no signs, like she didn't run. Um, but she did beat Zoe. <laughs> no, no, I lost two for the record. I'm not, I'm not just dragging on Zoe. I came in last place in like two races. So don't, don't worry. Well, um, appa- but, apparently this person's been around for a while. People know who she is. I mean, obviously, no, I know all jokes aside, <laughs> she's not a ghost to everybody, but we just kept joking that like, because she was so, I mean, we, we, I, I'll just speak for myself here and say, I tend to be a little bit narcissistic and say that if I don't know somebody, they must not be anybody. But like, the reality is there's this whole like sub generation of kids that's like above ours. And like, there's therefore this like sub generation of parents that are like, they're Gen Xers basically. And of course we don't know any of them. Um, so, um, you know. Why would they? They had their moment in the sun. It's over. Like it's a, that, that was a one-time thing. Um, their kids are going to grow up, and all of them, their kids and parents, are going to be forgotten. No offense, guys. Um, but um, this one goes out to Tyler Ward. I'm, all, I'm I'm always giving him shit for being a forgotten, humble Gen Xer. That's why he's so humble. That's why you're so humble, Tyler. It's because of your generation. It's not really your fault. But a generation with balls is coming next, and um. You guys don't stand a chance. <laughs> that should be somebody's campaign slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs a slogan this year. That's so the problem. Oh, that makes it that makes it the perfect time to do it. <laughs> nobody can beat me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Zoe Roden Heinzman for a rec committee with balls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Put that on the signs and see what people do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh yes. But um I do just want to point out before we move on to our next story though. Oh, and I have papers here. I didn't resubscribe, just so anybody knows, but I bought these for our sound lord, Chad, and his wonderful artistic wife brandy who is featured right here and actually this appears to be showing very nicely on the camera i think you all can see this she is the featured artist with her synesthesia hearing and color exhibit at the peterborough town library um uh i think through may sometime yeah they Uh, they hung her show this weekend so it's there now whenever you're listening Yep. Um, there's the reception is going to be the 22nd of April. 
Yes, and Chad's playing music at it. Sound Lord. Sound Lord music. I'm going to go. Go. Yeah, Gobmo might need to to go. I mean, I oh, want to go, yeah, but like we yeah, can yeah. be live no. from it too. We'll do live. Yeah, we'll do it live. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we'll get we'll we'll give them some shit too for giving their first interview to the Ledger transcript because, um, you know, they're well aware of our little, you know. Yeah, when when nice Ben theme. Conant though. When he comes knocking to give you that personal treatment, like bringing the big guns, I know we can't <laughs> offer a print. We can't offer a print feature. Um, we we can unfortunately um, we we don't we don't have that capability. Um, but, but but also um, like she got a, a Ben article, a rare. I know, I know, and I, I know. Wrote, he actually, so. yeah, yeah. Like, oh man, it'll be a cold day in hell before that dude ever writes anything about us. <laughs> Cheers, Ben. <laughs> Maybe that was a nod, no, an indirect nod from Ben, kind of telling us more. more of <laughs> Maybe a that was you, an but... olive branch. Yeah, it was like a back channel olive branch. Like he's he's trying to make friends with us through Brandy and Chad. All right, well that's that's a more charitable view. I like that. Or he's just trying to like yeah stick it to there. us. I mean, that was kind of more my my thought. He's he's more saying <laughs> fuck you. You know, I got you yeah. first. Maybe. Yeah, it probably is. Is it a fuck you, Ben? Is it? I would I would respect you more if it was. Let me put it that way. Um, uh, so, yes. Also, also, yeah. Uh, since I have the paper here, I do. I do kind of appreciate this Ben Conant photo as part of the Greenville revitalization efforts. That, that is that's a nice touch, Ben. Like broken glass from the ins or like. With the reflection in it and the 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 uh, the way that the depth of field is, I I do mm. I do like I do like it, I do like it. Legit, I'm not making fun. That's that's a nice picture. Yeah. Um, he, I, you know what? I also there's a nice duck picture too. Like, he's a good photographer. He is a good photographer. Where's their duck picture? A little duck picture here on the police log. Oh, page. For the yeah. record, ducks nice. I don't that know. Cool. He yeah, got a nice cool. capture of their wings. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. But while I'm on this page, yeah. shall I read you the police law? Oh, I want to hear this. Yes, please. Of, of late March 2022. So, on March 25th, at 3.22 p.m., a Granite Street resident reported his neighbor put a rock in the middle of their shared driveway for the third day in a row, then came up to his house and yelled at him so loud he could hear it inside. Officers attempted to speak with the neighbor who wouldn't answer the door. The caller showed them a rock that he said had fallen off the neighbor's property onto the driveway. He said he had moved it off the driveway yesterday, and today it was back in the driveway. Officer Cole was able to speak with the neighbor who complained about past police contacts and ongoing problems with the caller who he felt had trespassed on his property. Officer Cole asked if he could move the rock away from the edge of the driveway, but the neighbor said no. The caller advised there had been ongoing issues since he shuffled the shared driveway and put snow on the neighbor's property several years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So that happened on Friday, Uh but then it doesn't end there on Saturday. (laughs) What's that? It's an escalation. Just like the war in Ukraine. Right. Well, I mean, I say it started Friday. (laughs) Obviously it started (laughs) several years ago. Um, but then on Saturday, the next, the next morning at 11.30 a.m., a Granite Street resident advised he took a video of his neighbor picking up a rock, yelling, and throwing it on the ground before putting it back on the side of the embankment partially in the driveway again. The caller wanted to move the rock again, but decided to just avoid the rock with his car. Well, okay. Took Smart, probably good decision. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the high road around the rock. <laughs> <laughs> The police log only goes through the the next day. So I feel like this is probably an ongoing situation that we will have to carefully monitor the police logs to get the full developing story. I don't know which flag we, we need to put up or what flower we can use to support (laughs) which side of this. Is there a profile (laughs) book? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Social frame. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be good. Yeah. I'm with the guy on the left. (laughs) Are you with are you with the snow the snow mover or the rock placer? Placer. Rock placer? No, probably not. He sounds yeah. like a prick. 
you know? Yeah, he sounds like maybe the irrational one of the two, you know? Because did the snow guy really, like, do anything on, like, did he, like, inconvenient, like, did he just put the snow someplace that the other man didn't like? Or did he, like, pile it in front of his steps or something like that? Because, like, ladder, maybe he deserves retaliation with a rock, you know? But if it's just the former and it was a misunderstanding or something... Maybe this little Hatfield and McCoy bullshit has gone a little too far. <laughs> I I will say, I'm not convinced we have the full story here. I am not either. <laughs> so I'm not prepared to take sides. You know, if it is just a two years later, a rock appears in the driveway, someone someone has a problem, you know, but but I feel like there's more to it. Probably. It's my gut you feeling. Probably right. I mean it's a so, it's a it's a well-traversed road. I wonder how many shared driveways there actually are. I can only think of one. It's at the very end. You should end. go scope it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, then we yeah, does it know, say where? You know? it, it doesn't. It doesn't say like what street no. it's on or anything. It says Granite it does Granite Street. Oh, Granite Street. Oh. Huh. There's not many shared driveways. They're all mostly apartment buildings, right? And they're you know triplex, quadruplex. But if you go down the oh, liquor store end, the 101 end. Right. If put it this way, if you're coming from 101 and you turn onto Granite Street, if you look to the left, there's sort of like it looks like a road that goes behind the first several houses on the left. That's the only thing I can okay. think of that would qualify. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which could they be. all have driveways yeah. at the top too right. that I'm aware of. But right, but there's a shared portion before on the they back split side, off. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's there are no. I don't think there's any other shared driveways. I mean, it's they're kind of noticeable. You know. Maybe one of them is is here, and there is actually a central one of the ones down on the right hand side there. But we need to figure out who the hell they are if we're going to be serious about taking sides. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. Maybe we should maybe we should like go live on Granite Street, like hunting for the, the driveway. <laughs> we could do like a little thirty minute special, you know, <laughs> like a little like you know, like those old archaeology shows. You know what I mean? Like we're like we're like on the hunt for the lost shared driveway of Granite Street <laughs> with its with its animosity rock. <laughs> yeah, we're, look, we're looking for the rock, really. You know, <laughs> I mean, didn't, didn't Dan tell you? Dan told you you should name rocks, right? So, so that is animosity rock. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, actually, we should propose that to him. In fact, you know, he's he does all of these like wonderful, uplifting things and like things focused on like, you know, like where kids can hike and like great little challenges and checklists that you can have with kids. But like, I wanted to write something about like rocks with animosity, you know, like, like, like hate rocks, like do a book on the hate rocks, do a book on the hate rocks of New Hampshire, Dan. It's really it's, it's really not Dan's. It's not Dan's like market. Um, I, I don't think to do. Uh, the, I, the, I think a lot of his odd. It's it's not. It's it would be very off brand for Dan to write a, a book on the hate rocks of New Hampshire. Um, but maybe an article. Maybe if he was ever to if he was ever to like partner with me on a project, like I could give him cover in that regard. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, but it's I did it with DiLoretto. Like, of course, it's negative. You know what I mean? Like, of course, yes, it's uh, the hate rocks are his fault. You know, like I could give him an out, you know, but we could have some fun together, maybe. Um, so I don't know, Dan, what do you say? <laughs> 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 it, can, it can be a coffee table book, you know? Um, <laughs> like, I bet you that was honestly, we could sell a book that was like that. You know what I mean? Like, that would be a nice, like, hipsterish so. thing. You know what I mean? Like, the conflict rocks of New Hampshire. Like we could sell that to people in Brooklyn. Yeah. We can include like grave, you know, like memorials and gravestones of like, I don't know. Do we have any like famous criminals or something? We could do I'm some sure. Thing. We could dig we could up some, some stories. We could make some up. We could, no one would know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Even after I just said that we could make some up and no one would know the difference. It's probably true. I love making up legends. <laughs> but um I forgot I was thinking yesterday I don't know I don't remember if I should share this or not but um <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm laughing I don't even know what this is about I don't remember what I was going to say but I was gonna so I'll just tell I'm just gonna because like I said I, I've said this before on other episodes that I love like saying like out loud, like the trick I'm going to do and then like tricking people with it anyway, because it's, it's really easy to do. But like, I'll just say this, I'll tell a story from the 1972 
presidential campaign. And um, Hunter Thompson, um, who covered the campaign, one, one of my favorite, I think I probably have it on the bookshelf behind me. This is this is my favorite campaign book of all time, and I am a big political junkie. But like this is a this is an absolutely phenomenal phenomenal book, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail seventy two. But at one point in the book, <laughs> so the the book it wasn't actually written as a book. It was um, he covered the campaign for Rolling Stone. So these are literally like month by month. Every month in the monthly issue of Rolling Stone, he had a he had campaign coverage for like over a year, and and that's what the the you know eventually formed the book and it. <laughs> One point in the story during the primary, he accuses <laughs> a rumor starts accusing one of the main candidates of being addicted to Ibogaine, which like is especially hilarious because some people know what Ibogaine is now because it's like a it's an African hallucinogenic root that is actually has a lot of potential for treating addiction. Um, it's like one of the like powerful hallucinogens that some there, there is some research and evidence to believe that like um, people who are addicted to think, you know, anything from heroin to alcohol to whatever can under the proper guidance, undergo an Ibogaine experience. And then I shit you not. This is the story is that you, you get a little guy who like, there's this little like imp that like the trip ends, but the imp stays with you for like a week and you don't want to do your, um, you don't want to do your addiction. Like your addiction goes away because of the imp. I'm just telling you whatever. Like I like this, I make a lot of jokes of, I read it in a book. I really did read this one in a book. I've never done Ibogaine. I don't know any of this firsthand, but, um, or even secondhand, but this is a real thing. But in the seventies, nobody had heard of this like rare African hallucinogen. And he makes this accusation that this major presidential candidate, I mean, it would be, it would be like, it was basically like the equivalent of accusing like Pete Buttigieg in the 2020 race of being addicted to Ibogaine, like, like that kind of thing. And he goes on a talk show and there's, you can find video of this on YouTube and it's really great. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, he says to those, you'll notice that I chose my words very carefully. I said a rumor was going around Minneapolis that, and I, I, I wish I could remember which one of them was might've been musky. I don't remember, but like, he's like a rumor was going around Minneapolis that, you know, musky or whoever it was, was addicted to Ibogaine. And he's like, and I know this to be true because I'm the one who started the rumor. And <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and thereby like, you know, very cleverly avoiding any, um, possibility for a defamation suit or whatever, because all he ever said was that there was a rumor to, to a certain effect. Um, and I was, I forget what it was. I was, I was doing, um, spring cleaning all day yesterday. And in the middle of spring cleaning, I had a thought and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to start that rumor and, um, and do this check. And now I can't remember what it was, but so for a future episode, again, I'm still going to use this and nobody's going to call me out on it. Um, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, I I know it's true because I started the rumor. <laughs> Whatever it is. So you're you're warning us that you're gonna eventually start a rumor. Oh yeah, this is like extra yeah. coverage for my defense against the defamation suit. <laughs> I fucking told everybody on April third, way back on April third, that I'm gonna do this, and then I did this. So because there there is a um one of the more common defenses against like defamation is that you say. The, the legal argument is that no reasonable person would have believed that my factual, that my statement was true. And that, and that can be on the basis of who I am, what the statement was, what the context of the statement, like being on a comedy program, for example, that, like that's literally, it's not a joke. That's a, that would be a common defense for a comedy program to make, which would be, uh, obviously we are satire. So no reasonable person would have found this to be factual. And if that's, that's a, a very, very common reason why defamation suits get dismissed. Um, mm. And um, so I've built my case already and now I'm going to start whatever rumors I want, um, but I just can't remember which rumors I want to start today. Um, so we'll save that for a future episode. <laughs> it was a good one though. So I'll, I'll drop it at some point. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you seem to be feeling well after handling that book that paper book. <laughs> oh yeah. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. We were talking before the episode about how I don't like, I don't like 
I don't like paper books. I, I and literally like <laughs> any of the books on my bookshelves, and I have books all around my house, but they're just decorations. Kelly reads real books. I don't. Um, any of the books that I really like that are on my bookshelf, I have another copy that I've purchased on Kindle because I only read on devices. Like I don't. I won't. I won't do it. Um, I don't like it. I um. I've gone. I've gone whole hog for the screens, guys. Um, I'm all. I'm all about the screens. They don't hurt my eyes. They don't. You know, I have other problems, but the screens aren't my problems. Um, and I like carrying all of my books. I think my device is upstairs, but like I and I have two Kindles, and all my books are on both of them, and they fit into my pocket, and um, that is what I want, and. I don't want to have to pick because I mean, I read like 10 to 20. I'm in the middle of like 10 to 20 books at a time at all times. And I don't want to have to choose on a given day, which one I'm going to commit to, you know? And I don't. That's why I never finish any of them. (laughs) 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 Actually, no, I take that back though. I will say to my own, to my own credit here, um, I have a goal of um, 24 books to, to read 24 books this year. And I set that goal pretty much every year and I never hit it, even though I am a, I am a big reader, but it's, it's mostly articles, commentary, you know, um, like sitting down to, and I, and I start books, you know, and then I don't finish them, you know, uh, last year, I think it was like approaching May. And I think I had read one book instead of my like two a month that we're at this year, we're crossing into April. I've got five under my belt. And so I'm only one, I'm only behind by one and I'm in the middle, like I said, of a million. And some of them, like, it's like, it's not just like, it's not just like Moby Dick and like several others where I'm 20%, I'm 20% through a lot of books. Like that's like the common thing. But if I cross that 50% mark, like I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to get to the end. And there's a few of them that are, um, that are on that, um, on that thing. So I'm, I'm, you know, just, I'm, I am, I'm just patting myself on the back here. Sorry. There's no, there's no other point to that than just to say that I'm happy with myself for reading enough so far. Um, but, uh, but I do it, I do it electronically. And I, and I love the smell of books and I love bookstores. I still go in them. I still buy, I still buy the hard copies of the books, but I don't buy them to actually open them and read them. Like I buy them to put them somewhere and just get their get their energy. I get their, I get their vibes, you know, the spirit that is in that book comes to me. Um, it's like capturing a Pokemon. <laughs> wow. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> really? Me either until it came out. But, um, <laughs> some of those things that just sort of happens on the fly. Uh, God. All right. What else? Uh, what else is going on though? Um, before we wrap for the week, I mean, ten years ago there was a Ponzi scheme. Um, and I think it was. I think it was Ringe based, actually. Yeah, Aaron Olson of Ringe, investment broker. He was. And this man. This must have been interesting. This was in 2012. He was confronted by his clients, like so, like a mob of clients coordinated with one another to like storm his office. And I read that a bunch of them were his friends and family. Oh God. All right. Wow. That's sad. But common with the Ponzi scheme, but sad, <laughs> but extra sad, extra sad. Um, and so he, it, in response to the mob, um, they, he turned himself in and he ran one of the most significant Ponzi schemes in New Hampshire history, which interesting phrase, because like one of the, like how many fucking Ponzi schemes have we had just in New Hampshire? You know I mean? Well, like, yeah, apparently there was there was one other one that like defrauded a little bit more money, thirty million dollars in two thousand nine. Yeah, so and, and so for there. the record, he he got twenty two point eight, um, twenty two point eight million. Almost yeah. made it. Yeah, almost, almost the record. <laughs> almost the record. You should have thought a little bit bigger, Aaron Olson. And uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because I mean, like you know, a Ponzi scheme. It's a very specific type of scam. Uh, you know, which involves pretending to be an investment broker, taking people's money, spending it, and then paying them back in some cases with the new investors' money. It's a it's a form of pyramid scheme. Like it's basically a pyramid scheme that's very specific to investments. And you know, the most famous one, of course, being Bernie Madoff. 
um, who stole like, I don't know, like $20 billion or something crazy like that, which like, I'm sorry, but it's, I know like some of the money he stole from pension funds. He stole it, but like most of Bernie Madoff took his money from like pension funds and other really, really, really rich people, which is why he went to jail. And, um, cause usually, you know, you have to steal money from rich people to, to actually do the kind of time that he was doing. And, um, he, um, was very unrepentant. Bernie Madoff, I don't know if Aaron Olson said this. I think he might have been more apologetic. Bernie Madoff said, fuck my victims. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You get, like, it sucks for the pensioners, but like, man, you got to kind of, I don't know. Like, I know this is unpopular among the older folks who don't understand my like increasing nihilism, you know, like people who are like, but hitting someone at the Oscars is wrong. You know, like defrauding people is wrong. It's like, guys, I I really just don't think that the decades to come are going to be a really good time for people who cling to those sorts of moralities. I, I just I I, I mean, I'm not saying you, we should all steal money because I I don't do that. I am actually in my I'm a I'm a pretty clean person in my life. I don't defraud anybody. I don't rip anybody off. I'm actually pretty good to the my friends and family. You know. Um, I'm giving and generous. So I'm not advocating that everyone abandon morality, but I think that you should abandon the expectation of it, you know? And I do sort of in times like these, you know, like, you know, we all do have to hustle. And if you're, you know, I don't know. I I like scams. I don't, I I was talking, I don't, I don't think my, 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 Lovely coworker Danielle, who I don't think listens to this program, but we talk about this a lot because she also um, really appreciates a good scam. Um, on her recommendation, I watched the documentary "The Tinder The Tinder Swindler" on Netflix. Very, very good. And you know, her her intro to me, and this is how I knew I would like it, um, <laughs> was because she was like, "I kind of like the perpetrator." You know, because he's the, the story. It's just the story of this guy who's like floating around Europe, and he's this just sort of this attractive, really charming, like apparently hyper hyper wealthy, like jet setting dude who like meets women on Tinder and get and and they clearly have, if not cash themselves, but um, access to lots of credit because he then we'll start claiming that he he's like under threat for his life because of his international business. And he suddenly doesn't have access to his funds and he needs them to give him money. And this turns into lots, like he has them take out loans for like half a million dollars each. And then he's like, he takes their money and spends it on the next woman and his private jets and like all this stuff. And then he gets her to give him like half a million dollars. And, and so this dude this fucking guy, he does all this, right? And, but basically, like, none of it, most of it is not really fraudulent. Like, because he's just, they all gave him money of their free will. The, the money was not going for a specific purpose. It was just going to him to continue flying around. Like, they knew the money was going to him to continue to flying around. Um, so he's just sort of like, eh, you know, I didn't, he ends up like he got, like they get him on some minor fucking shit. Um, in, cause he's doing most of this like in Northern Europe, right? So in some Scandinavian country, they get him on some, some real minor charge and he goes to jail for, he gets sentenced to like a year and a half. He's out in five months. And the next thing you know, the documentarians have video of him in a sports car waving at the press from his car. He's on Instagram. He's doing seminars for people like, um, like not unlike Jordan Belfort of uh, Wolf of Wall Street fame, you know, yeah. um, so he, like, and, it, and by all appearances, he's continuing to do his same scam wide open in like wide in the open. And it is kind of like, I, I mean, I am sort of like, how do I? How do I condemn that? You know what I mean? Like that's 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 the world we live in. Like in this guy, like he's beating the game. You know what I mean? Like this, like it, it's a field out there that we have to play some sort of game in in life and society, and we want it to be moral and ethical, and we want it to adhere to these certain codes. And perhaps we're better off if it does, and perhaps we're better off as individuals if we do. You know, I wouldn't deny that. I'm not saying that we are better off being hustlers than being morally right. 
I think the jury's out. I mean, I don't think it's settled, but I, I think there's a, argue, a great argument to be made that we benefit and everyone around us benefits if we behave in a moral way. However, the game out there isn't moral and the rules are not moral. And sometimes it's just impressive to watch people beat the game, you know, especially if they, unlike Bernie Madoff and Aaron Olson, um, if they actually like more or less get away with it, you know, um, it's interesting. I'm not a scammer. I don't have it in me guys. I don't, but I will, but I, and I, but I will tell you when I'm going to lie to you and make things up. And if you believe me after that, it's your fault. Same thing with this Tinder guy. <laughs> but I'm not, but I'm not going to scam you out of money. It's just this, that, that is not what I'm after. It's not, in, it's not interesting enough to me. I, I do have, I do have, you know, a little bit of a bon vivant streak in me in terms of the things that I like to consume, you know, that would definitely benefit from scamming money um, from people. But it's just, I just don't find that stimulating enough. I'll scam you all in other ways. And on that note, <laughs> that's where can we possibly go from there? <laughs> on that note, that's our program, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we believe there's a good chance that next episode will be sponsored. Um, so if you want to get in on this, you know, um, reach out to us, any of the contact information that you'll find in the show notes, because we do offer advertising and sponsorship for these programs that is for real life going to start booking up now. And you want to get in before your competition does. It's actually, it's extremely budget conscious um, for what you're looking for in terms of marketing and in terms of the kind of dedicated listener that you're going to get on this and the amount of eyeballs that are going to see that you sponsored this highly compelling, if at times controversial program that we have uh, in Peterborough, New Hampshire here. So please consider that. Also, as always, special thanks goes out to our, our good friend and sound lord, Chad Patterson at studio117.net. And down by 10, you can look up that Facebook group for all of your Yacht Rock. It's, they would fit in. Not I mean, they, they don't just do Yacht Rock. They do, they do any, anything. <laughs> but I was going to say they would fit in really good at the Laughing Gull because they got all the Seagrew tour. If they played a lot of like Seals and Crofts and like Steely Dan and stuff like that. Um, and um, oh, God, I wish I could remember. Um, <laughs> While I was in there, they played some like real yacht rock banger um, that I, I I wish I could recall. But <laughs> rest assured that whatever it is, if I remembered the title, Down by Ten could play it. Please go see Brandy's work at the library and come see us all. Come and meet our sound lord, meet us, meet the artist Brandy. Of course, it is her show on April twenty second, a Friday night. It's going to be a hopping thing. Um, it's going to be a really good time. So special, you know, really, you know, thanks to those guys for being such good friends. They might be our biggest fans in Manchester. Uh, we appreciate it every single day. And thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our hard hitting journalism. Um, I am Christy Loretto. We'll see you in the space lounge next time. And until that day comes as you go forward and play the game, moral or amoral, take good advice. We'll see you next time. <laughs>